you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast deserves its own a football life. (laughs) Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Oh, yeah. Another show. Tuesday show. Awesome show coming up. I had a, um, I'm dealing with this um, sinus infection as we've been speaking about wow. as a group. And uh, talk about this more than Mark talks about growing up in London <laughs> or Greg giving to charity. <laughs> and um, I just took a um, a cough drop from the the war chest in the in the break room and. I didn't check the expiration date, and now my tongue is kind of numb. And now I'm that, concerned. Wait, that's what cough drops do. It's not meant to be your tongue. It's meant to be, you know, to don't go down a, your throat. Don't be a weenie. There's something going on, What did you bro. check? As fascinating as this story is, could it get more fascinating? Did you check? Did you actually check after the fact the expiration date? No, I didn't. No. No. I like that you frame I think yourself as having some sort of potentially life-ending illness that you're battling through, but then you've taken a cough drop to address it. <laughs> I um <laughs> I gobble those past expiration cough drops like they're M and M's all the time, and I'm fine. Mm. Well, Wes, you're a better man than I. Subtext: I'm tougher than you. Yeah. Are, all right, Mister Cincinnati. I grew up on the west side of Cincinnati, which makes me a real man. My favorite toy was a cinder block going up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mark, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I spent time in England as a child. All right, we get it, Mark. But you are true story. After this, the beautiful and lovely. Also shares the same birthday as I, so we get along very well. Simone, uh, your wife, is picking you up immediately following today's show. Off to the old LAX you go, a trip to jolly old England. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My home, my former home. The only place you feel truly comfortable. Do you harbor loyalties to the Queen? I have not been there since 1985, so I really? don't have any fresh contact with you I know, didn't know that. Queen or anything. Yeah, it's been decades. And you, you didn't were... and you didn't pitch a long form. Mark Sessler returns to his roots. <laughs> Jour- journeys. I could see idea, that. Greg. I can see other people writing that uh, bloviation, but not you, Mark. You're a man of integrity and principle. But you are Lee Connor is already there. Connor Orr, our New Jersey correspondent, uh, arrived. He's already. Uh, He's using our IM chat client, uh, telling us that he is on the ground. Uh, he's landed in Heathrow Airport. And now, Mark, you are heading there to cover the Jaguars and Bills, what, a game I like to call the greatest game of all time. It is, uh, it's fascinating that we are going to each probably file, what, seven or eight pieces about mm-hmm. two teams. Well, one of the two that gets zero Sell attention. Sell it, Sessler. And it's not... Let's not call it the game of the century, but, but we're going to turn it into that. But it is interesting, for considering their records. I did uh, on the website my watchability rankings this week, and 
the Bills were the number five team because I find them a very intriguing team when Tyrod Taylor especially is behind center. And Blake Bortles, we've been talking him up for the last few weeks as a very fun yeah, young quarterback to watch. So if you're going to watch you know, teams with not bad records, at least they're entertaining. Sydney uh, behind the glass starting uh, her uh, transition to a, fu- a full corporate uh, entity dropped in a live read uh, in my lap seconds before we started. Can we bring back God Save the Queen at a low volume? And I will read this. The NFL on Yahoo. Watch with the world. Wake up and watch with the world. The NFL is live on Yahoo for the first time ever. The NFL is streaming a live game on Yahoo. Bills versus Jags live from London. New time, new way to watch anywhere with Everyone, watch with the world. October 25th, that's Sunday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. NFL on Yahoo. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's good. Done. I might actually wake up early to watch the world. Well, remember that podcast where we went through all the different countries that listen to the podcast that there are – 75 or whatever, more than that, hundreds of them. Mongolia. Indonesia, Mongolia. This is the one time we can all be watching the same game at the same time in Mongolia. It's going to be big there. A lot of big uh, Telvin Smith fans there. (laughs) So true. So, Mark, uh, you know, best of luck. Thank you. Going to miss you. And maybe we'll get you on the old horn on Sunday to discuss what's going on over there. Like barring a massive air calamity, I think that – that's on the docket. We will speak. To I him. think we will even talk to him Thursday. See yeah. see what the practices have been like. So oh, yeah, far. A little, good. little press conference time with him and Connor. Are you going to get together with any of our listeners? I think we definitely are. We have gotten a lot of tweets <laughs> from people in London and a lot of offers to buy us beers. Good. We're only two human vessels, so we can only contain so much beer. But we <laughs> will try to meet up with people. And Greg, now I will speak. And Mark is very intense. He's, he he loves his job and he takes it seriously. It's up to you. It's on you, Greg, not to overwhelm Mark with assignments over there so he can have fun. This is that's the place what the whole trip is for. As shadowy league <laughs> figures are listening, thinking uh, that I had to justify the thousands of dollars we're spending on this. Oh, we whatever. finally got him over there because of this game on Yahoo. Really, it's it's help to help promote that. No, I I don't want to hear it. Shadowy league figures. This is eleven billion dollar megacorp. Sessler can do the He's work and have, have a little bit of fun, too. Of course. Too. That's, we, yeah. that's we, what makes Sessler Sessler. We've yeah. come up with a fair plan that will both inform <laughs> football fans and allow us to see a foreign city. I yeah. would expect nothing less. Sessler's middle seat and coach is what's going to sink uh, the National Football League. All right, Shield. <laughs> Let's be honest about that. All right, I mean, we got – I mean, Sessler, if Sessler has to, if Sessler has to, even if he's writing seven stories a day, he's just not going to sleep. He's going to stay out there and he's going to see that. I think we're underrating the Connor Orr factor. He's an absolute wild card on the road. That's true. And an adventure in his own heart. He is an adventurer. Connor, like any event I've gone with him, you always have to keep your head on a swivel because he'll just wander off. He does. On a flight (laughs) of. He's got a lot of contacts, a lot of interests. Mark, I'm going to need you to bring your Instagram A game. Ooh. Ooh. I, will. I will. If no, my I'm phone works. lots of posts. And I will. You're in London, of all places. There has, a challenge, there has been talk that your Insta- Instagram game has slumped in recent months after you were getting a real amount of buzz for a while with some of your arty pieces and some <laughs> other like slice of life type things. I was also like largely in the off season where I was you know wandering that's, the streets. It's a fair point. That was your chance. So that's it. Mark's going to be in London. We're excited. Everybody's excited. Today's show is a nice one, nice big show. We got our Monday night recap, uh, an all-timer NFC East showdown, hammer bang, 
between the Redskins and Giants. We'll get into that. Uh, we'll do a little bit of news, what's what's cooking around the NFL this week as we uh, approach week seven. We will s- potentially, we're going to do this um, in real time this week where we'll nominate some teams uh, for the fork and uh, we'll see what teams will be done. 11 teams in the NFL have been forked so far by our group, which means they have no opportunity to make the, I'm going to die. Hang on. <laughs> live, live, Hanses, which means uh, 11 teams have no chance to make the playoffs. We might add to that list, and then we'll hit the TNF preview, uh, NFC West, Seahawks at Niners, and we'll close it out with the mailbag if we have time. It's a busy show. Mark's got Simone, the wonderful, kind-hearted, talented Simone. Downstairs with the engine on. No, we got a little time. We can we can enjoy the show. All right, so let's get into it. Why don't we start, of course, with Monday Night Football? I mean, we have to. I mean, I I would like to say we could just not talk about this game, but we are the Around the NFL podcast, and so we will talk about the NFL game on Monday night. It was a twenty-seven to seven win for the Philadelphia Eagles over the Giants. They scored. The Eagles scored the final 27 points of the game after the Giants had an 80-yard touchdown drive to get things going. It was a sloppy game. Turnovers a plenty. Both quarterbacks played poorly. Eli Manning and Sam Bradford. Eli didn't get any protection. Sam Br- Bradford continues to make you wonder if he's the right guy to be in the starting lineup for Philadelphia. And we had a DeMarco Murray siding for the first time. He went over 100 yards. He scored a touchdown. So the Eagles move into first place in the NFC East. The Giants searching for answers. Chris Wessling, you wrote up our piece on Monday night, the what we learned. What did you learn from this game? We learned that this was basically a microcosm of every NFC East game for the last 15 years. Just boring, sloppy. <laughs> I don't know why they keep putting these teams on national TV over and over again to bore the rest there of the There was a brief window where the Cowboys were fun in the mid-2000s, but that's fair. That, yeah. That's the last time the NFC East was vaguely interesting. We I learned think. that DeMontre Moore should probably be benched for his mind-boggling roughing the passer penalty that, that was really bad. changed the momentum of the entire game. The Giants were cruising out. It looked like they could have gone up 13 to nothing or 19 to nothing. Larry Donnell should not be excused either. He had basically just got the ball ripped out of his hands by D'Amico Ryans and then dropped a pass. So his shaking hands and, and DeMontre Moore really turned this game around. The Eagles, I think, have the best defense in the division, and we like the Redskins early. And that was my takeaway is that, you know, as ugly as these two games have been, it's pretty impressive that they've won two straight games by 20 points or more with Sam Bradford playing terribly. It's another proof why quarterback wins and losses is overrated because Sam Bradford gets a couple comfortable wins and he has not played well in back-to-back weeks, and yet they're winning games. And for all the heat that Chip Kelly's taken for his off-season moves on offense, uh, he's built a good enough defense where they can lose Michael Kendricks, they can lose D'Amico Ryans, uh, they can lose Kiko Alonso, and yet the defense is good enough that it's really the dominant part of that team, and it's got them at winning some games. They shut out Odell Beckham in the second half when it looked like he was about to have an absolute monster night. Mm. But everything went wrong for the Giants after that. Yeah, I, think, I wouldn't even say they necessarily shut down Odell Beckham, it, and Coughlin said it after the game. They, they never had a chance to get the ball to him because Eli Manning could not get protected. He was getting killed. He was getting swarmed in the backfield as soon as he took the ball. He was sacked four times total coming into this game. 
was sacked three times in the game, had two intentional grounding penalties, and was hit four more times, much of that in the second half. And and the Eagles just dominated time of possession in the second half. I don't think I don't think their defense was as much of a factor on Odell Beckham as just mm. the Giants never had the ball. Although it's a little dispiriting to see Odell Beckham essentially used as a short yardage wide receiver. Like, hey, it's third and one. Let's throw it to Odell Beckham. That was their play a couple times. And it worked. But it's seven catches, 61 yards. This is such a get rid of the ball quickly, dink and dunk offense to trying to keep their defense on the field. I get it. It's all worked fairly well for the first month of the season, but it's it's boring. It's also Let's not right. Unleash the Beckham. I think that hamstring played a factor in how yeah. it was used. You almost had one big catch down the left sideline. Then he showed some real frustration with Eli after that. It sailed out of bounds. Sometimes I'm amazed with Eli. It made me think of immediately when that pass sailed was the dime that he threw to Mario Manningham in that second Super Bowl win. Uh, that the same guy can then look as bad as he did for stretches in this game, uh, including on that throw. But again, it's like it's not just Eli. It's the, the entire offense. They can't run the ball. They can't block. It's, it was a mess. Oh, what a mess. I, I, but watching it, I thought, well, if you put Eli on the Eagles, they win by 40 because I, I think he was the better quarter. That's why you can't you can't just look at the box score because it looks like Eli had a terrible, terrible game, but he played well initially. One of the interceptions was totally not on him. You could have had a big pass that you mentioned to Donnell. I think he's played consistently this year. If nothing else, it's not exciting to watch him, whereas Bradford, I'm still thinking they should consider going to I Sanchez. Agree. I agree with you, yeah. I don't. I mean, it, it would make sense. I, I, I just I think the Eagles have to figure out if they have a franchise quarterback or not. And if they've decided after six games that Bradford's not, then fine, go to Sanchez. That's but. not a small sample, though. Six games, you're I, starting to get up there a little bit where it's like, if you still don't think this guy's a guy or he's making the same mistakes week after week. I was listening at one point when I was driving home uh, last night, Boomer Esiason, he calls the game for Westwood One. He was just laying into Bradford. He's like, somebody needs to, at halftime go in and, and shake this guy because he was just in a malaise, especially in the, uh, well, really the whole game. I mean, the passes he was missing, he just doesn't, I mean, he doesn't seem like an inspiring guy. To well, play it's not with. the, fr- he made a couple terrible passes the previous week, too. And I have to wonder if you don't bench him, is it because you think, if you're Chip Kelly, that there's an amount of time it takes to get fundamentally familiar with this attack, and we're going to see a different kind of quarterback? down the stretch for the Eagles because these kind of throws, and he made some of these in St. Louis when he was on the field too. This just looks to me like this, the Sam Bradford that we couldn't stand in All the right, past. You guys convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are winning well, games. Well, I'm just saying, or is he no, going to bloom though? I, they are winning games, and I think they know Mark Sanchez is not a franchise quarterback. So I do think that's why they're doing it. And if they can find a way to win some games, they did get DeMarco Murray on track. Uh, so they had a running game for the first time just about all season that they're going to try to ride that's, Bradford as long as not possible. true. Over the last month, they're averaging 138 running yards per game. They, I guess they, they got DeMarco got... Murray on track for the first time all season. His numbers looked okay last week because of one run, but he hasn't looked good. He looked he looked a little better last night. Yeah. The second half was by far the best he's played in Philadelphia. I, I just – whenever – there's no way he can run laterally. Mm. He just flat out cannot run laterally. And So don't in, run him laterally. He was In the second half, they didn't. Yeah. Downhill runner, use him that way, but it's a little redundant with Matthews. But he looked – I mean, listen, he, maybe he didn't look as good as he did last September and October, but I thought he looked pretty good running the ball. He's, he's averaging five yards per carry behind a bad offensive line. DeMarco Murray's averaging two yards less per carry. It's yeah. funny that both they were touted at Bradford and Murray as this, oh, this is reu- reuniting them in this spread offense that they were electric in in college. 
Murray doesn't seem to be the better fit than Matthews. I don't care what happened last no, he's night. Not comfortable. And Bradford isn't necessarily comfortable in this offense either. Well, it's, it's another weird. case against offseason puff beasts. We also thought Jordan Matthews, and I and I fell for it too, was going to have a great season. And I still think Jordan Matthews is a good player. But he, just, he makes mistakes every week. Mental he's had errors, shaky hands. drops, just he's tough to watch. I wouldn't write him off. Are the would we label the Eagles the not heavy favorite, but a, a clear favorite to win no. the NFC? No, I don't think there is a favorite oh, no. in the no. NFC. Yeah. I think the Redskins are – I've thought all along they're clearly the worst team, but the other three to me are about the same. Eagles are going to get whacked if they make the playoffs. They're going to get absolutely destroyed get, by someone. Whoever makes it's going to get whacked. Yeah. All right, so that's the Monday night game. Uh, Sydney, how are you doing, by the way? I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking. Yeah, what's, what's new? You know, not anything new. <laughs> I kind of wish it would rain here. I'm not going to lie. I, mm. I just, you know, I'm pretty new to L.A., and the oh, sun okay. and I need a break. You're f- where are you from originally? Don't hold your breath. <laughs> I'm from, thank you, I'm from Utah originally. Okay, so l- here's the one thing we're hearing about. El Nino is supposed to drop a hammer, total hammer drop on the, the SoCal area. So get excited. <laughs> it, when we get swept away into the mighty Pacific, I hope you're happy. <laughs> I will be mildly happy. Thank you, Dan. hope I'm in That'd London weird. this happens. <laughs> yeah, all right, let's do some news. I walked out of the womb ready. Yeah, I said walked. I walked out of the womb ready. This is, these are the times where I'm really happy that TD doesn't do the show all the time, <laughs> is that we'd be subjected to some Star Wars <laughs> if this was uh, uh, the situation. And I'm, so, uh, I'm sorry about that, Sydney. And, I, I, and I'm sorry, Mark, and that's not a shot at, at you or anybody that I don't Star Wars it. fans, I take it that way. but I just can't escape it. It's got to be dropped on me in the middle of the Monday Night Football game. I can't escape it even when I'm trying to watch football. I don't think it's the first time that a film has been overly publicized in our lifetime, but it certainly qualifies. Yeah. Anyway, let's you get... You seem to have... I think your dislike for it, and I noticed your tweet last night, <laughs> is in itself interesting. <laughs> that there are plenty of things to rail against, and I do find it interesting that this has gotten under your skin to the degree that it has. I share it with Dan. Someone tweeted out a picture from the NFL media newsroom last night. Oh, that was... And... That was not good. It was the entire media group huddled around uh, a big screen during halftime. Like it was the moon landing or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, we could have Barack Obama speaking about going to war, and I promise you not that many people would have been huddled around the campfire. I mean, give me a break. I think you'll notice I was not among them. Well, of course. Well, someone tweeted me and said, I hope you guys talk about the preview on the podcast. (laughs) I'm dealing with three people that absolutely hate this franchise, and I'm not TD. It's not true. It's not. I don't hate it. Well, right. There's a dislike or disinterest. I I dislike the all-encompassing nature of the Star Wars phenomenon that I cannot. I'm not allowed to escape it. And because you guys love it so much, they're making fun. Five straight freaking movies, which means that I got to eat it for the next decade. I don't put myself in a camp where I'm some fanboy either. I'm not. I'm. I got other things. Your in kid my is life named Luke. With. Well, listen. I will say <laughs> though, I have. McCown. I have two boys that are under the age of of five, and they watched it, and that's sort of what. I think is what what proved to me that there's some worth in it. They loved it. Mm. It's not about it's, me at age 40. Yeah, but they love about. everything. You can show a kid anything no, on TV. No, that's and not true. Love that's it. not I think true. it's a good movie for five-year-olds. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope, let it be. Like we said, Wes and I were on Shaq, and, of course, it came up uh, yeah. uh, this morning. I hope the movies are great, and I hope everyone enjoys them. That would them. be a change. I just wish I could not be so involved with it. 
Well, I feel that way about 75 things that exist in popular that's culture. True. That's true. Right? I, I mean, we all have those sure. things, and that's and that's for you. It's literally just about everything. You don't like mm. a no, lot of things that. No, I like. I like a lot of things, but if you're talking about our newsroom, you can't really control. There's no filter. It's just pushed in. The your first face. two of these movies were were great. Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, and they've been terrible ever since. So I don't know why everybody gets fired up about them. That's fair, I'm just, I'm just glad this all distracted us from J.J. Watt's disgusting uh, speech that he was making. I mean, walking out of a womb, that's that's distasteful. Well, he's entering Drew Brees' phony level disrespectful discourse with that. <laughs> a lot of hot takes. Uh, let's start <laughs> in Pittsburgh in the news where um, Ben Roethlisberger is battling that MCL sprain and a bone bruise. He's missed three games, and it, it seems like he's going to miss another one. He, he expects to split some first-team reps with Landry Jones, but – Mike Tomlin told reporters on Tuesday the team uh, will focus on getting Landry Jones ready for the team's upcoming matchup against the 1-5 Chiefs. Uh, here's the quote from Tomlin. It's safe to prepare as if Landry Jones is our quarterback this year, this week. He's healthy. Uh, Wes, uh, Jones, you said we talked earlier, you watched this game recently. Uh, Jones threw two touchdowns in, in relief of Vic, who uh, suffered a hamstring injury. Uh, is he a guy you think can do well against the bad Chiefs team? It's an interesting question. Almost every time we had seen Landry Jones in preseason action or every time we heard reports out of practice, they were as bad as a quarterback could possibly be. Hmm. He looked better than expected. He looked poised and comfortable. But their second half was about Martavis Bryant making a spectacular leaping touchdown pass and then outracing the Cardinals' defense for 88 yards, which was most of Landry Jar- Jones' yards. It, this was a Martavis Bryant show. I mean, Landry Jones is the reason they went and got Vic. They were not comfortable at all with the idea of him being their backup quarterback, and he's looked putrid every summer. They he was okay in the, in the preseason this year. Maybe I just fine. watched the his Vikings best game. game for instance, the, yeah, there was, was okay. one game where I watched him for two quarters, and he was okay. Ma- he, he knows him. the offense, which Michael Vic – that's the difference. So that's like, I think they trust him to do more with the playbook than Vic. And, and that may be a Todd Haley thing as much as anyone else. I mean, all you got to do is, you know, you throw a couple deep balls, but most of it is going to be short stuff. You let Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell do the rest. I mean, Vic couldn't just couldn't even so he sustain. Should, he should just play like his uh, counterpart, Alex Smith. Yes, exactly, because he's got great <laughs> players around him in a perfect world. I mean, this is a luxury for the Steelers that they could keep Ben on the bench because they've bought some wins here. Watch out for the Steelers, too. If they if they get another win with their second and third string quarterbacks and then they get Ben back at 5-2, and 12-4 and four City. Here I come. can't say enough about how their defense has exceeded my expectations. James Harrison, I watched this game last night, it made three plays that changed the game. He forced a fumble on John Brown, forced a pe- uh, holding penalty, then negated a huge pass interference penalty on John Brown, and then had another sack to push Palmer out of field goal range. He was phenomenal. Cameron Hayward has turned into one of the best defensive ends in football. Stephon Tewitt's great. And they can Mike st- Mitchell came back and played well this year. They can stop the run, and if you can do that again against the Chiefs, you take out the run game and you force Alex Smith to do it with his arm. Big problems. Has anyone ever had a more odds-defying career, great career than James Harrison? Couldn't find a team, showed up out of nowhere and became the best linebacker on the planet, disappeared again, was basically out of football, and now is back to being an impact player? He is so bizarre because he's a 5'11 pass rusher who is just built like a brick wall. He is incredibly strong, and he forced that fumble on John Brown by just basically being made out of steel. Sessler was giving me the suspicious uh, eyebrows. What, about James Harrison? He will be a really interesting Hall of Fame case one day. He is two-time first-team All-Pro. Doesn't have He won't get in. He, defensive player there. I do remember, though, the one year uh, it was 
Belichick was at the Super Bowl. So I think so it was, it was the, like the last 10 years about. I can't remember which one it was. <laughs> Nightmare. But essentially there was a debate about who should be defensive player of the year. And I believe it was the year Palomalu won or Suggs. I'm, I'm forgetting. But but Belichick said he would vote for James Harrison. He's like single handedly. He, he said he would have been my guy the last two or three years that he's the toughest guy to deal with. And that that's saying that's saying something from Belichick. He basically ended Muhammad Masakwa's career. He put. Colt McCoy into yeah. hyperspace and knocked out Josh Cribbs. I mean, I, he is one of the harder hitters in the league. I, I think Please. he's the hardest hitter of the of the 21st century. Mm. When you when he hits you, he's coming with a lot of muscle behind it. What about the boss's hot takes? Tech, what hot take? Pretty hard hitting. Oh, in general. <laughs> I was just writing down Wes's hot take. I mean, if that's not a pull quote that they're gonna tweet out, hardest hitter of the 21st century, could it be? Watch or whatever. Well played. That's, That's 138 <laughs> characters. Perfect. I won't see that on a Sunday email from Andrew Howard. Uh, West goes inside football there in wow. a big spot. All right. Uh, let's move on to a little Packers talk. Eddie Lacy, uh, a fantasy darling. I think he went probably in the top eight of most uh, drafts and is supposed to be a stud running back. Barely in the game plan for the Packers in their most recent win under the Chargers. In fact, he had just four, four carries in the game. Uh, James Starks got most of the work, including uh, a 65-yard touchdown run. And the question is, and and, um, and Wes, you wrote about this yesterday, uh, what is going on with Eddie Lacy? Everybody's nervous about Eddie Lacy. Is he hurt? Is he uh, fat? Is he not as good as he was last year? Or is he just about to break out? And here comes Chris Wessling, our knight in shining armor, to explain exactly what's going on. Fantasy heads are panicking. I'm stealing fantasy heads from Mark because I love it. <laughs> Fantasy heads are panicking because they. it's always interesting to me every June and July and August when the whole community gets together and decides one player should be the number one overall pick. That guy's number one. And for some reason, they decided <laughs> Eddie Lacy should be the top pick in fantasy this year. He got anointed for some reason. I don't really? Know. Eddie Lacy's a great player when he's healthy, and people shouldn't forget that. James Stark is, is not going to become the, the starter in, in Green Bay. When Eddie Lacy uses the bye week to get healthy, he should come back and be the starter. Last year at this time, we had the same thing. Their running back coach was saying, we're going to use James Moore. Eddie shouldn't carry the ball 20 times a game. Lacy was averaging 3.86 yards per carry uh, and had one game over 90 yards last year at this point. Right, and then he turned it on. Then he became the only player in the NFL with 100 yards per scrimmage from scrimmage in the next nine games. So he, he's done this before. We know that Eddie Lacy, when healthy, is an excellent football player. But it, it's not just um, health. It's conditioning. And it's a really tricky thing for people to talk about from afar. But I'm going to uh, quote Bob McGinn, who's one of the best out there and was rating. You know, he does a weekly uh, piece where he rates all the players, which I love. And he said... Basically, the first play of the game, James Starks in the game because it's an outside zone play, I believe, or an outside you know running play, and he got 25 yards in the play. and And they don't think Lacy can make that play right now. And he said some personnel people guess that Eddie Lacy right now is in about the 260 pound range. Now I don't know what he played at last year when he was playing well. Maybe I it wish was... I had access to that quote when I wrote this article because <laughs> Mike McCarthy said conditioning is not an issue. And maybe it's not. Maybe he played at. It wouldn't shock. Maybe he played at two fifty five last year and was good at that weight. You, you know, it it wouldn't surprise me if they're changing up the weights. But uh, for him to put that that some personnel people right now he's at at two hundred and sixty and that they're using Starks on those different sort of plays that's an issue. Or maybe McCarthy 
isn't going to call him out if there's a conditioning issue. Too. Well, re- remember, well, it was a couple summers ago, and he looked like the Patterson-Gimlin film of Bigfoot when he turned <laughs> around and he see his whole his whole gut show. Ring, ring the West uh, weird reference bell. I don't yeah. even know what. Mark knows what the Patterson-Gimlin film is. Famous. Uh, yeah, it's like, he's like the, it's about yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're saying, Wes, hang tight, everybody. Eddie Lacy's going to come back. That quote about. The personnel person believing he weighs 260 pounds worries me a little bit. <laughs> I'll amend my statement. When healthy and in shape, Eddie Lacy is an excellent football Brad player and way better than James Stark. Maybe he's in shape at 250. Wouldn't be the we wouldn't be the first running back that had success at the NFL that's done that. It is funny though. You do get the occasional like fourth or fifth year running back who's like, oh no, this off season I learned how to condition my body. I finally learned how to eat. And then it's like they blow up and they look completely different and faster and quicker than we've ever seen. And maybe Lacey is someone of these guys that struggles with that and he's still learning how to round into football shape. Mark Sessler, fantasy outsider. Trade Eddie Lacey, yes or no? Well, if you're in a hot... No, I would not trade him because I think... If, here's the thing. I'd trade if you're, for him. If you're, if you're in him. hot water at this point, then hang on to a player that's going to surge down the stretch. It's we're not four weeks away from the plan with Eddie Lacy. We're you got to be a predator here. Prey on the weak. Prey on these weak-minded, feeble-minded men who are going to panic about Eddie. That's Lacey. what Milana Weintraub, our fantasy team, just pulled off, <laughs> bringing Demarco Murray in the building oh my two gosh. days before his first 100-yard game. And what do we give up? A backup tight end? Are you kidding me? Who did you trade? Patrick Crawley downstairs. No, but who, who is the tight end? Marty B. Marty B. Martellus Bennett. Oh, my god! And gosh. we have Antonio Gates on our roster. And we have, have Travis, maybe Gronk. Travis Crowley. Aaron. If, if, Grand larceny. If, I was going to say, if the cops might come in here and take you guys away. Because <laughs> that, that is outrageous. Thank you, you, Pat. Uh, you abused... Uh, a friend of yours, it's wrong <laughs> that that was ever made. You know what? At uh, no point would have that ever made sense. Greg has long lashed us <laughs> Sorry, for man. having a – You did a good job. Is it like a five-person ownership group at this yeah. point, five or six people? With a consultant. This was – we patiently discussed. Dan led the conversation, but we all weighed in over the course of 72 hours before pulling the trigger. Everyone felt good about it. We're not. We're an organization that is – Absolutely unified from top to bottom. Absolutely. Outside of my complete disinterest. Well, you're involved, though. Five and one with the most points in the league. Uh, Finally, (laughs) in the news, we have um, a little closure here, perhaps, a little more insight on the perhaps the most doomed trick play in NFL history on Sunday night. Uh, I'm talking about the fake punt by the Colts that uh, was swarmed and uh, turned into a a big lightning rod of uh, uh, criticism for the Colts, and they earned it. They should probably just move on as a team. But instead, uh, Colts punter Pat McAfee uh, went on the radio and tried to explain exactly what happened. Uh, here's his quote. The gunner who became the center all week was Clayton Geathers or Gathers? Gathers. Gathers gets injured in the second quarter. Insert Griff Whalen, who had never done it before. So Griff Whalen is now the center in a play he's never practiced before. And it gets worse, by the way. They then, the reason this play really went to hell was because then they added a wrinkle. The play initially was just supposed to be a way to get the the Pats to freak out and send their defense back on the field, and then they'd snap it and get 12 men on the field and get five yards. But then they added a second wrinkle, which was simply to try to draw them off sides with the uh, snap call or whatever. Uh, but no one ever told Griff Whalen about, about that. All he knew was <laughs> is if someone's under his butt with hands – once you feel it, snap the ball. That's all he knew. That's my. That's the way I go through life. Yeah. Whenever <laughs> someone's touching your butt, you just go along with it. 
Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> That's not what I was saying. Oh. I was saying you snapped the ball. But so anyway, <laughs> this this came from a radio uh, interview. And Dead on, Dan. And it was on Colts.com. And and my my reaction was, this does not make the Colts look any better. They should probably just stop talking about it. Well, I mean, are you calling – you kind of calling your coach out when you're saying we didn't practice well, this he all feels week? Bad. This he feels bad for his buddy Griff, who's taking all the heat. They're, they're writing columns – Seriously, in Indianapolis, Bob Kravitz wrote a column. Own up, Griff. You know, admit oh, you make the admit bad. you made the mistake. You know, it doesn't help to just cover cover it up and just be honest. Bob, I think, and and in the end, you know, Griff Whalen between treating didn't really the, do anything wrong between treating Deflategate like he was the Woodward and Butch Bernstein of of Watergate, and this uh, Bob Kravitz isn't really having a great year. Some Bob Kravitz, he unexpected on the podcast, I think, but well, always well. Unexpected. You're the one that clearly brought it up just for that reason. <laughs> well, hey, I did. Kravitz, you're no Woodburn and Bernstein. Pipe down. Griff Whalen needs Connor Orr to forget what he's doing in London and get on the phone and advocate for what is the franchise centerpiece of his, what, Terrible post-apocalyptic Patriots Connor. Madden team. Terrible job by Connor at a time where his signature star and the cornerstone of this new franchise Connor's got to get out in front of this. He can't Absolutely. put his head put it in his head in the sands of Normandy. You got to get in, get in the middle of this. I went back and listened to the show that he was on when he explained Griff as the centerpiece, and he said that it was to appease the NFL by giving them a figurehead that they could like post Deflate Gate, and also appease Boston, who likes, according to Connor, War plucky whites. So, <laughs> you know what you got to get out in front of this. I'm not sure he that's said. exactly and what he said, but yeah, that is exactly what he said. I listened yeah. to it this morning. <laughs> that's on Connor Orr. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that's a bad job by Connor. Connor. And maybe you could talk to him when you see him in jolly old England. All right, that's what's happening. Stick a fork in him. Ooh. All right, let's talk about it. Now, uh, handsome Hank, Henry Hodgson downstairs, the notorious DOP. He, um, Greg, you're, you're a guy you don't love, like, structure. Whenever I try to add structure to things, you're always like, no, no, we don't need to do that. <laughs> but I like one idea about this uh, that Hank, Hank uh, drew up. Yeah, area employee wants more structures and more meetings. What kind of group is this? No meetings, no meetings. <laughs> you, love, you love the meetings. We have forked. Um, I like meetings that are at restaurants and there's alcohol, <laughs> good food. Um, uh, Henry brought up, yeah, we've forked 11 teams. And, of course, there are 32 teams and 11 are out. So that means there are 21 teams still eligible for the playoffs. Nailed it. Um, Henry brought up the idea of the fork number to get to by, let's say, week eight. It should be 16. That eliminates half of the league and then gives you wiggle room on four teams that you're just not sure about and you don't want to fork them because you don't, it wouldn't be smart to fork them. It's a great idea. That Henry. 12 will make it. Four, you're just not sure about. They're going to be in the bubbles. You know. Makes sense. I'm willing to try it. I wow. Do, I do think we could hit like week 11 and then think, oh, but we want to fork more teams. But I guess we'll, we'll see. It's too it. late we'll cross then, that though, bridge. You know what I mean? It's we'll like, cross that bridge. That's the thing with the fork. If you're waiting till week 11 to fork a team, it's like, yeah, good, un- good onions, that's still, bro. But that's still pretty early. I mean, that's 40% of the season left. You could, anyways, but I like this. We can try this. Play. All right, so let's Do try it. to get to 16 by the end of, uh, you know, after week eight. That's the plan, and we're about to enter week seven. So let's see. First of all, uh, before we um, talk about the nominees uh, for this week for the fork, let's remind everyone who has been forked. Shame. The Cleveland Browns. Shame. The Chicago Bears. Shame. The Detroit Lions. 
Shame. The New Orleans Saints. The Shame. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The San Francisco Shame. 49ers. The Houston Shame. Texans. The Oakland Raiders. Shame. The Miami Dolphins. Shame. The Baltimore Shame. Ravens. And Shame. the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow, you should have left the bell in there. One more bell would have been good. So, <laughs> one last. How could you not know that? You did a fine Gotta job. Got to get that last bell in there, but e good job. Every thought doesn't need to be vocalized. <laughs> a plus job by Sydney. Let's leave it at that. What do you mean? You should? I should have just shut my mouth there? Yeah, just you could think it. You could think <laughs> it in your head. I can't. I don't operate that way. You got to share what's on my mind. Uh, well, you're a host, so. Sorry, fine. Sydney, for sharing how I feel about things. It's all right. It's all right. And wanting the best show possible. Next time I'm going to count Greg. the bells. Get them all in. <laughs> all right. Now, uh, Wes and I, while Greg and Mark were in a high octane meeting about London, Wes and I talked about nominees uh, for this week. Who who should be forked? And by forking someone, a team, that means they have no chance of making the playoffs. If we are wrong, we will, as a group, make a hefty donation to a local charity of the city of that team. It's pretty, pretty big of us, I'd like to say. Let's <laughs> hope we're not wrong. Three teams have survived forking in three seasons. Not very good at this. Two, two the first year, one last year. Yeah. Who was it last year? The New Orleans Saints. No, uh, oh. we, we picked them to go <laughs> yes. to the playoffs, right. but the Panthers. Carolina Panthers right, right, right. took the fork out of their back. <laughs> so here are the four teams that we should talk about. Maybe we'll, I'll go one at a time. We'll start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm. You know, I've been pushing for this one for several weeks, but I know you guys have been pushing back because you like Bortles, because there is some because allegiance. Because the Colts are a bad, bad football team. The Colts are not good. There's a lot of allegiance uh, to the Gus Bradley regime uh, at the end of the table. <laughs> no, is, uh, I would have forked them last week. Easy. Uh, so, yeah, so here they are Mark's now. still waiting for Toby Gerhardt to break out. No, he's not. But here we are, bad loss after bad loss every week. Now they are one in five, and I know the Colts might be lucky to win nine games, but that's saying that the Jaguars are going to win at least seven uh, of their remaining ten games. I can't, I, I don't see it. They're not going to win a wild card. We got to fork the Jaguars. Stick a Jaguar, fork right? in them. I I'll, mean, prove me wrong, Jaguars. I would love to be proven wrong absolutely. on this one. So prove us wrong. But when you lose to the Bucks and the Texans in back-to-back -back weeks, is that the two teams they've just lost to? Yep. Wow, that, that, that's the worst thing you can do in the NFL. So you're done. I'll go along with it only because I said I would. <laughs> I think, well, actually, I think their offense is going to be frisky all year, but their defense just made Brian Hoyer look like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, right. Gus they, Bradley's defense, like you said, that's the problem. Jameis Winston. They I think they're good. forked. Yeah, I think maybe, and you agree, Mark? Yeah, because we're talking about the overall team. I like Bortles just as much as the next guy, but the, as a team – what they've done over the last two weeks is fork territory. I think the the best way to kind of sum them up is that they're just not there yet. If they're they working were, towards something, but they're not there yet. If they were trying to build a resume to get forked, they couldn't have done any better than the last <laughs> two weeks. Yeah, that's right. right. All right, next up, the Tennessee Titans at one and four, and you know it's mm. who knows? Maybe Dan Campbell's lit a little lit a fire under a, a Dolphins team that has a lot of talent on the roster, but at the same time. With a team in tatters the way the Dolphins were to come into your building and hang a banging on you like 37, 19, whatever that was, um, that's a bad, bad look. On top of it, Marcus Mariota hurt his knee. Um, we don't know how serious it is. Nothing season-ending, but could be something that uh, bothers him. He's a mobile quarterback. Who knows? Put it all together, I am totally comfortable forking a 1-4 uh, uh, Tennessee Titans team. Your thoughts, guys? Well, I think the first thing we have to bring up is what would we – 
be doing by forking the Titans since the Jaguars and Texans have been forked and is we yep. we are awarding the AFC South to the Colts. I personally am okay with that. I would be in favor of forking the Titans. I just want to kind of point out to the group and the listeners that that's what we're doing. And we're just saying the Colts are going to win that division, and that is what I believe, and you guys wanted to be bold. So well, I don't think it's that West, bold. Wes, I saw you shake your head. I don't. I feel the same way. I don't see it, though, as a celebration of the Colts on any level. I just think they're, again, lucky to be in the right division, and it's going to get them another another banner hanging from Lucas Oil Stadium. Celebrate. I think, out of principle, I refuse to award a division in Week 7 to a team that is just as bad as the Colts are. They're a bad, bad football team, and I, I don't think they've earned it. Well, but they, they managed to win two division games with Matt Hasselbeck. They got lucky. They did, but they didn't. They haven't earned it. But the point is, the the trash in that division, the defending them against being fork is the problem. The Titans might be is even more disappointing than the Jaguars, and they are to me because I had much more hope about this team after Week One. Titans' schedule is pretty easy, but in December, so is the Colts. You go to the Jets, you go to the Patriots, and you go to the Colts. Come on, this is not a eight win team. The Colts also play the rest of the AFC South. It's not like just the other AFC South teams have it easy here. Colts are going to go 8-8 eight and eight and win this division probably. West, we're not waving flags so are celebrating. You I'm believing in Andrew Luck alive. figuring things out eventually. I could see the scenario because they play New Orleans, Carolina, Denver the next three weeks. They're going to lose two, at least two or three of those games. They're going to be four and five, and maybe the division's very close. Maybe it's the Texans that make it close. But in the end, I trust Andrew Luck to figure things out. I right. do not. I haven't seen Andrew Luck this year. I've seen some other quarterback masquerading as Andrew Luck, and he's not good. So Whoever that player is. At this point, I, you have to hang your hope on the Titans then. I am willing to do that because I think we are doing what we did with the NFC South last week, last year and acting like we have it figured out. We did that in week 10 or something too. Right. We thought we had it figured out. And we forked all these bad teams. We had the wrong one. I just, To me, the AFC South is even worse than the NFC South was last year. Yeah. The Colts are a bad team. I refuse to give them the division. I would hang my hope. I'm hoping the Titans – show some friskiness and give the Colts a run. And okay. the Colts, the one thing with the Colts, if things Titans go south live. and the and the coach is about to get fired and we're getting more and more reports of that, the Colts are heading in the wrong direction. That's, that absolutely with, could happen. Right. But Ken Wisenhunt isn't exactly uh, Not at all. There's no, You either. can't stand up. You can't really pound the table for any of these teams. All right. Let's move on to the Washington Redskins, uh, a team that uh, there's been thought in this room, there's promise with this team that the defense is good and – um, when Kirk Cousins is right, they, they can score a little, score a little bit. But you know the team that I saw against the Jets. First of all, they're two and four now after Sunday's loss, and they're banged up beyond belief. I mean, they they had six uh, inactives in their starting lineup on Sunday. I don't think they can compete with any half decent team. And by the time they get healthy, they might be two and six or three and seven. So I don't even in a bad NFC East. I think you got to fork the Redskins. They they're lucky to play in a division where there's no half decent team. You want to fork them. They're one win behind a team that you want to bench their starting quarterback, and another team that lost by 20 points to the team that you want to bench their starting quarterback. I think they're the worst team in that division. I yeah, I think that I think they're the worst. We're supposed to be making decisions, and we're obviously obvious going to disagree on how we see the division. I was ready to fork them at one and two. I proposed it just because I think Kirk Cousins is one of the worst five or six starters in the league. I know Wes and Mark uh, disagree on that, but nothing he has done this year has changed my mind on that, and there's nothing special enough about the team around him. I'm willing to bet on Romo 
Chip Kelly and Eli Manning, that just between the three of them, they'll squash this lousy Redskins team. Now, the Redskins, they have a very good chance to get to three and four this week and into their bye. They do play the Bucks at home, so that could delay so things. They get, but I don't care. I'd still force They start getting all these injured players back over their bye week probably too. It's not the craziest thing that's ever happened, but I'm willing to let me, them anyway. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. I want you guys to try to imagine around New Year's Day or so a press conference in which a beaming Jay Gruden is talking about a division championship and preparing for the playoffs. Can you actually see that? I can absolutely envision that. I had the, wow. I had that exact vision after they beat the Rams and thoroughly killed the Rams. I cannot see that, but it looks like the Redskins will stay alive. Mark. Yeah, I want to keep them. Ar- okay. I, well, number one, we want to be bold, and we're, we're heading in the wrong direction here, but I want to keep them one more week. All right. Finally, I'll throw out the San Diego Chargers, another 2-4 and four team. Uh, the division's gone, obviously, with the 6-0 and Broncos team. So then you got to look at the wild card. And, you know, you got the Bills, the Jets, the Steelers, all teams that are in better position than, than, than the Chargers right now. I know Phil Rivers is one of the best quarterbacks in the AFC, if not the whole NFL. But this is a team that's a flawed team. We've talked about them being the Dalton line of all NFL teams. So it's hard for me to get excited and say, oh, this is gonna, this team's going to win nine or ten games and get a playoff spot. So I say, fork the Chargers. Thoughts? I have a problem with that because – Wow. Because if, if we're looking at the four teams we're talking about today, they have by far the best quarterback in Phillip Rivers. And the team is competent. They've been in every single game. There's only five winning teams in the AFC right now. Now, you mentioned the wild card race actually looks – part of that is there's no winning teams in the AFC South, and one of those teams has to get in. But there's only five winning teams right now, and I agree with you because of Rivers. Who's number one in the NFL in total offense? By San, yards? San Diego Chargers. And their next three opponents, Raiders, Ravens, Bears. I don't understand, though, how we could all be in agreement that they're like the middle-of-the-road team in the NFL, and yet we're not confident. They're the middle-of-the-road team in the NFL with like three backups playing in the offensive line. Stevie Johnson inactive. Keenan Allen missing in the fourth quarter. Several players on defense injured. I think that you get... Three cupcakes and then a bye week. They could be. Plus, they could be a totally different gonna team get in the second. Plus, I don't think they've been bad. They're two and four, and the Redskins are two and four, and I think they've been bad. And I think if you watch every one of their games on balance, they don't look like a good team. The the Chargers lost in the last possession against in Cincinnati. They lost in the last possession in Lambeau. And they lost a tough game to Michael Vick, which they should have won. But that was right at the end of the game against Pittsburgh. So I look at that and I see a team that's pretty good. They're, they're, they they're haven't bottomed good. out, and they and they can still score points. And and you, lo- you talk about the schedule. And there's you talk about a flawed team. A flawed team is going to make the playoffs in the AFC. Why you got to sneak in a cheap shot on the Redskins there? <laughs> they're a bad team, but so is well, every have- other NFC. When have you ever watched the Giants and be like, oh, this is a great team, or the Cowboys? No, you're right. They're I, all bad teams. I'm just making a decision who's who's the worst out of that. I said the Redskins because they're both two and four. They're two and four, and I just supported that two and four team, and I was kind of setting up a little dichotomy. Why right. this two and four team? Mm. So the only team that Concerning. we will fork this week is the Jaguars. So long, Jag who? Uh, you know. They're landing uh, in London, and they're going to find this out. Let me just say. Well, that's a problem. Let me just say, you know, we wanted to be bold, and I, I feel some butts clenching now that we're uh, 
That's this fair. Exercise is continuing. Instead of getting bold, we're getting conservative. I think you're exactly right, and this was not a. Uh, this is exactly what we said we wouldn't do, and we just we just did. You guys all blamed it on me in the past. I'm the one ready to fork some teams. Let's get. The I forks. was. Let's I just went some... four for four on. Well, forks. I went three for four. Let's... I'm willing to fork other NFC East teams. Let's uh. Let's Who? fork. You know, get the fork. All of them except the Redskins. What? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Oh, Your logic is crumbling before us. Why? Why do you guys think all these other three teams in the NFC East are so great and no, the Redskins are so terrible? But why would the Redskins not get forked, but you would fork all the other teams? Your whole logic is based on them. They're all crummy. Right. Well, I'd do it to prove a point. Well, that's Just different. as I'm forking, I'm leaving the Titans alive to prove a point that the Colts are a bad, bad football team. All right. And they don't deserve to be handed a division. See, it's about me. You know, Wes, it is getting personal now. You're getting fired up about the Colts and the Redskins. That's good. Colts They're, are bad. Those whole teams are in your stable right now. It's crowded in that stable. <laughs> no, nah, the Colts are not in my stable. Elbows everywhere. The Redskins are not in my stable. They're just in a horrible division. And you guys love the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Giants. None of us do. No, I get it. I get it. When you can back a team led by leaders like Jay Gruden and D'Angelo Hall, I mean, that, that team's always going to have a chance to shine. Well, let's, t- let's talk in January when a beaming Jay Gruden is giving a <laughs> yeah, playoff. I was going to say, a Mark will be named Queen of England before Jay Gruden is beaming about a division title. Can you save like that for January? Save it. Fox it up. All right. Good talk, guys. A lot of good discourse. That's what people come to hear. They want to hear four regular guys just talking it up, chopping it up, a little NFL. There's nothing regular about you. <laughs> I'm the old Zeuser. I'm a regular Joe. Third, third person, regular. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's talk a little Thursday night football. Uh, this is a – we got a little NFC East on Monday. That didn't go too well. But now we're going to move to the NFC West and hope for uh, a better game. This between the Seattle Seahawks, who have just come off two of the worst back-to-back losses of the Pete Carroll era. I've got a great stat for you, not to Let's cut hear you. It. No, I want to hear continue it. Continue on. The Seahawks are only the second team in the last 50 years to blow a nine-point lead or more with four, less than four minutes left in the game. And that's twice in a, an entire season. And they did it in back-to-back weeks. It is hard to blow a two-possession lead with under four minutes to go. And they just did can it I twice. Just, can I just say, That's by the crazy. Way, they had the, in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. with They could not make a stop in the fourth quarter. This happening twice in succession like this. This is supposed to be, you know, an all-time defense. And this is not stuff becoming of an all-time defense. I think Earl Thomas has been playing with essentially one arm. Also. Yeah, everybody's playing with. Played really well South against the mean. Panthers. Yeah, he did have his best game of the season, despite being part of uh, the worst play of that game. He played well. That's the thing. Four you, pass breakups and interceptions. If you break it down individually, you know they were without Bobby Wagner. They're not playing poorly. Cliff, Cliff Averill's having a good season. Michael Bennett's certainly having a good season. It's just. I don't know. Something's not By the working. way, Russell Wilson had a great game against the Panthers. He had a bunch of great throws. The same thing happened, though, uh, like it did against Cincinnati, where they had, I believe, one first down their last four drives, something like that. See, well, you interrupted in the middle of the yeah, setup, and then you Get went the running setup. after your comment, so then now it's all, it's all jagged. Well, that all makes sense. Say what you're going to say. The Seahawks are playing the 49ers. Oh. That's all I needed to get Ooh. to. The Niners are now 2-4. and four. They beat the Ravens, put the Ravens to rest, much to uh, Mark Sessler's enjoyment. Uh, so this is a battle of two 2-4 and four teams. Uh, so, Mark, I will throw it to you here. Seahawks, yeah, two awful losses, great pedigree. Any chance they go into the great giant bell bottom and drop another one? 
only thing about the 49ers is they're a completely different team in the games at home this season. On defense, especially. I, I don't see that happening, though, because, you know, and I don't like calling things a must-win game in Week 7, but this is it if you're Seattle. you can't, you got to go in and take care of business. And we just talked about the fact that their quarterback's making good throws. Their defense, individually at least, is playing well. The sum of the parts is much, much more than what for the 49ers could offer. I mean, this would be a stunner to me if the 49ers lost. Well, Kaepernick has done the job the last two weeks. He hasn't faced any pass rush. And this week, you would assume that he does. I mean, he made his cap. It last week reminded you a little bit of old Kaepernick because he put the three or four really nice. Well, against the worst throws. secondary in the NFL. Right, but it doesn't matter what secondaries you're playing. He had a 25 yard deep or 20 yard deep out to Torrey Smith that very few quarterbacks can make. And it, and then those are the moments you think, oh yeah, he played Remember okay Colin with Kaepernick? the pressure in his face last week too. I mean, it was one. It was his best game of the season. What are we seeing from uh, Navarro Bowman this year? Because there was obviously going into the season a lot of talk about wow, how amazing he looks in limited time. Um, is he still close to Navarro Bowman, or is he a significantly lesser player? He's been up and down. He had 15 tackles against the Ravens. but And some big plays early in the game where he really read it. His instincts are so good, but I don't know if physically he's as good. Chris Johnson made him look really bad uh, when the Cardinals played them. I think he's been like the rest of their defense lights out at home and struggling on the road. Well, he I think he's always been one of the headier players in the league and you can see it where he'll just diagnose a play and then go, but I don't think the same yeah, I don't think he has the same juice that he used to after the surgery. Antoine Bethea is another guy that they would really love to have the 2014 version of Antoine Bethea back. I was surprised that um Joe Flacco made some comments about Bowman. He had this to say, laterally and some of the man coverage type things which he's not in a ton of positions to be in. Some of that stuff, you might be able to see the fact he's coming back a little bit. Um, so he says he's not the same guy, it's fair. Uh, but he's still good. And Bowman, t- to his credit, he admits, he's I'm not back where I was. That's the goal every single week to get better. I have my top 10 comeback player of the year candidates coming out Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Ooh. He might be on there. Nice plug. Towards the end, yeah. He right. won't be in the top eight. He might squeeze they miss, in the ninth or tenth. It sounds... You know, of course, they had to cut Alden Smith after all that, but they miss Alden Smith. They have no pass rush. Well, Aaron Lynch has played great. Speaking of plugs, by the way, Mark, your Heroes and Villains weekly column is up. Are you Were you happy with today's edition? Yeah, I was satisfied with it. Oh, yeah. He finally went after uh, the Cretans that are expecting uh, 60 Minutes to start on time on Sundays. It's Mark, about time you Mark, put that in Mark I am got out the double blasters No, I'm very annoyed goals. with that. that the fact that that's still a plug during the fourth quarter of every CBS football game, reminding anyone that's plugged, anyone that's been watching that's this amazing. ancient television news magazine since the 80s knows that it never starts on time. And it wasn't even on C- the East Coast uh, during football season. It hasn't since like the 60s. CBS wasn't the villain, though, for mentioning it. It was all the people still expecting it. Like someone's like tuning in, like, whoa, what? Like you're telling like, me it's not starting. There's on no way CBS's home office in Manhattan, like they don't get a ton of mail every week for 50 years straight. Yeah, by people still sending it. mail. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And Mark, your uh, or Greg, I should say, your watchability uh, index is everything in index. I don't watchability know. rankings. Your watchability Check rankings, ranking how watchable each of the mm. NFL teams. A lot of good content on. NFL.com. You know, the last thing for this game, wouldn't it be 
it it would be really interesting if the 49ers are ahead in this game in the second half. Suddenly it feels like this is a really important game that the, the, it could be the end of the little Seahawks, not error or anything, but this they'd be put in such a hole this season, dead last, couple division losses, and Kaepernick would complete his revenge tour. You take care of the Ravens who got you in the Super Bowl, and then you get rid of your nemesis. This season, like, like the Kaepernick revenge tour is even a thing. I just I, made it a thing. That's why I brought it up. If I'm a Seahawks fan, the thing I'm worried about most is having a lead in the fourth quarter. Because then you're banged, according <laughs> to recent history. Well, against a couple of undefeated teams. That's fair. All right, final score. Pick and final score. Mark. Seattle, 24-49ers. 16. Wes. Seahawks 30, 49ers 17. Seahawks 28, mm. Niners 10. I think it'll be a good game. 21-14. Only touchdown. Seahawks win, though. No All worries. right. So there you go. Thursday night preview. All right. Before we get out of here, before Simone comes to pick up Mark, uh, let's uh, dip into the old mailbag. Thank you to everybody that sent it in at Around the NFL on Twitter. Uh, this first one from Bear Maulings at Bear Maulings. Are there any rosters that would not make the playoffs? Any rosters? If you replace the QB and HC, which means head coach, with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? That's a great question. Off the top of my head, I'd say no. Well, what's the what's the worst team in terms of talent in the league right now? What about offensively? And defense. That, that's interesting. I mean, the I was going to say Buccaneers maybe, but. Uh, Let's see. All right, weapons let's, on the Buccaneers. let's use the Bucks as a good Buccaneer example. Jaguars. Actually, I might I might say has if we put all right. Let's use the Jaguars and Tom Brady is their quarterback. Bill Belichick is the coach. They're one they of the best offenses in the NFL with Tom Brady as their quarterback. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Julius Thomas, Allen Robinson, Tom Brady. All right, I think they're Alan all going Hearns? to the playoffs. The answer is yes. Yeah, they're all going That's to the That's more weapons than Brady's I'd had say, most of his years in New England. I know. I'd say not only going to the playoffs, they're Super Bowl contenders. <laughs> I'd say the Bucks, I guess. But, yeah, I'd put them in the playoffs. Yeah, the Tom Bucks Brady have... throwing to Mike Evans right, and Vincent Mike, Jackson yeah, and exactly. Austin Safarian Jenkins. Uh, they'd, go sign a, they'd go sign a slot receiver immediately. Pull, that pull was the ultimate the throne of uh, ease question right there. Maybe the Jets still make the Sneaky playoffs. Sneaky throne of ease question. The Jets would be the team that didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> like, totally Tom true. Brady would turn Harry Douglas into a 1,200-yard receiver. That's a great question. Although although Belichick would probably cut thanks, half of the uh, players on any other team in the league. Thank, thanks, by the way, um, for saying it's a great question because I didn't. it wasn't my question, but I picked it. So, in a way, it was very it was, astute. It had a lot to do question. with you, Dan. In a way. And you're you're doing it, you know, you're ill. You're really battling today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next up, which unbeaten team has the best chance of going undefeated? All right, let's look at it. The Pats, the Bungles, the Broncos, the Packers, and the Panthers, all undefeated through six weeks. Patriots. Uh, the easiest answer is probably the Patriots. Well, we just it talked about the coach and quarterback taking any team in the league to the playoffs. What's the right answer because of the schedule? They also, I, I'd like to find the future schedule on Football Outsiders. Ranked 20th the rest of the season, well, uh, the which is not too hard. Their big tough game is at Denver, uh, but overall their schedule is manageable compared to some of those they're other. They're going to be Denver by 30 points. One of the Packers or Broncos will be eliminated from that after the mm -hmm. bye week because they play each other. 
I like the Packers would be my second pick. Yeah, they they have the twenty fifth easiest schedule moving forward. They're not crushing teams right now, though. Yeah, but I think it's a sign of a good team too when you're in a funk and you're still just taking care of business. I they have to play at Arizona in Week sixteen. Yeah, they come out of their bye, which they need, by the way, because they're beat up at Denver, at Carolina. They have some tough games. If they get through those two, you could the watches on. Throw the Broncos out of this discussion. They have a bad quarter. Throw the Broncos out. Throw the Panthers out. Sorry, guys. Hmm. Uh, I respect you now, but come on. Let's be serious. <laughs> what about the Bengals? They'll go 12-4. and four. They'll go 16-1. and one. They'll lose a game inside that division. 16-1. West of us still. They get the bye and lose in, the second, in that second round. Isn't West of us um, specific to wild card weekend, though? Yeah, uh, it is. Because it's been in the same place yeah. every time. Hey, it look, is, but I think... Christmas was originally Saturnalia. We can change things. Maybe it's like uh, Hanukkah, which kind of changes depending on the year, right? You know, it jumps <laughs> around a little bit. I don't know why that Tell is us. exactly, but it does. It's not the same time. You never know what's going <laughs> to... It's just going to Let's offend up. every faith group with this Bengals um, analogy. Um, all right. Uh, How is it offensive to point I'm out really, that Christmas I'm was kidding. originally Saturnalia? I'm kidding. Mark gets a little jumpy whenever we go to the theology podcast talk. All right. I'm That's just saying fine. let's save it's a, it. It's a fact. For that Hanukkah is a different time every year. <laughs> Hanukkah. All right. Here we go. At Gotrell, uh, flying to London first class, Mark? And have they practiced, and by they, Connor and Mark, practiced their Cockney rhyming slang? Definitely not flying first class. I'm in the second to last row on the airplane. I just looked. You know what happened middle last seat? time you were there? Middle seat or no? Uh, not a middle seat. That's good. I mean, that that's Still a long... surrounded by masses of people. And for long people flight. that <laughs> don't have yeah, an idea of the geography of it, you need to go from <laughs> L.A. across <laughs> one of the largest countries in the world, probably. Uh, you got to land. Are you stopping over in New York or something? No, no stopover. You're going all the way? Yeah. I didn't even know that was possible. Technology, baby. What are you talking about? Virgin Atlantic. You don't have to gas up to go all the way for, to London from here? Dan's uh, xenophobic tendency is showing itself here. Sorry, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon. I grew up in a coal town. Never took a flight that you, went 6,000 miles. You did not miles. grow up in a coal you, there's town. There's no way that you thought they need to gas up. Westchester I totally County. thought you needed I did. to... Um, stop over. That was the case that. for years and years, and I had a similar question. Was told that it's been that Virgin Atlantic, for instance, it's been a shop from so LA for a while. A, you sit on a plane for twelve straight hours. This is what I do for the league. I mean, you can go New York to Tokyo. Do you have a good book? No stopping. Go over the, the top of the world. That's See, all over I'm, the place. That's I mean, engrossing. You, ha- you have these things in life, Greg, that I don't have. Money well, is not so, something that some of it is by choice. You literally said you don't. Like going to other countries. I never said that. I just said I love good old U.S. of A. Doesn't mean I hate anything else. All right, one more. Uh, <laughs> one more. Uh, I like. I just like the. Poor uh, Simone. She's run. She's the one that's run out of gas. She needs to gas up. <laughs> she's had the car on downstairs this whole time. Uh, last one. I just like the 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 format of this. It's not even a question. David Douglas at Softcore Dave. Interesting. Uh, the AD scale. Talk to me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's it. Talk to me. I well, to, to new listeners, the Andy Dalton scale, that's uh, the prime meridian of quarterbacks. It's how you measure. If you're above the Andy Dalton line, then you have your franchise quarterback. If you're below, you're looking for one. And, and Andy Dalton's MVP quality play has really thrown that into question. There's a good chance league. that, and this is kind of Wessling's uh, domain, but so it's ultimately up to him. But there's a good chance, if this keeps up, the whole thing either has to be blown up or rejiggered completely, correct? 
Yes, there is a good chance. I We talked about this a Sunday night, and I said I wasn't prepared to ditch the whole thing just over a six-game sample size because Andy Dalton has had really good six-game sample sizes in his career before. Not this good. No, not this good. That's true. But I fully expected this. The other thing is he's He can turn back the podcast to June, and I was talking about Andy, Andy Dalton having a career year. Here's the thing, though. He also has had several moments of this season so far where old Andy would have crumbled. That's right, why I think this I is I think it's neck up that where he's changed a lot, and it's not just the hair. Well, how yeah. about we put a deadline on it? Could be the Alex Smith scale. Or something like that. They play at Arizona in week 11. If <laughs> if he gets past that game and doesn't turn back into a pumpkin at midnight, we'll, the Alex Smith scale. we'll that's, talk about it. So just be Landry Jones, basically. Are you talking about um, Andy Dalton or the entire Bengals organization? November 26th. Let's say Thanksgiving we'll, we'll have an Andy Dalton podcast. Dalton scale podcast on a, on a Tuesday. Sounds like a great idea. The All Tuesday right. before Thanksgiving. Tune in, everybody. You don't want to miss that one. All right. That's it for another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. Mark, you have a great time, buddy. Thank you, and I will be calling you in two days. Yes, I cannot wait for that. Uh, until uh, our next show, late Thursday night, make sure you tune in for that. We're going to get through the uh, <laughs> Thursday night football game. Uh, we're going to then do all of Sunday, so that will be a lot of fun. All right, so that's it. Mark, have fun, buddy. I will. Good Good luck Enjoy to you trip, all. Mark. See you soon. All right. Signing off for the Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and Sydney behind the glass until Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.